This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Age Changer Show. And you can see right away that I'm doing a solo episode today, probably the next several episodes, because the furrows have had a great um, experience, a great joy that has happened to us. We have had our second grandbaby. We had a, uh, John and Sarah had a brand new uh, baby granddaughter for us. It wasn't just purely for us, <laughs> even though I would love to claim it so because of the joy that it brings to Carmen and I and our family's life. But uh, we have just spent the last few days with them enjoying uh, Savannah Rosalind in her first few days of life. And Carmen is uh, staying there for a week to serve uh, John and Sarah by staying up at night with the baby uh, and, and just allowing those two to get more restful sleep because having a baby and then also having a toddler uh, with uh, Ellie um, you know, can be an exhausting thing for a mother who is recovering from labor. So Carmen just loves to be able to serve in that way, and it does provide them just to be able to get some rest and restoration uh, emotionally and also physically after the labor. Well, you know that it is the purpose and the mission of Summit Life Ministry to elevate the vision of the church and to contribute to that conversation concerning vision for the church, to elevate the vision to where we see our identity through God's eternal purpose. Just a small explanation of that. We don't believe the will of God or the purpose of God ends and begins with us. No, we revolve around the very center of God's purpose, and that is Jesus Christ. And so we want to align our heart and our will to the King of glory, to Jesus, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the consummation of God's eternal purpose. And so we just want to help focus believers, elevate their vision, raise their vision to be higher than just using God to make an, uh, God a crutch for you or to improve uh, your life. No, we want uh, our lives to serve God's purpose and to be obedient to his will. But the second thing we say that we we also want to equip believers to live then with an eternal perspective. Once our vision's been elevated, then we wanna live with a paradigm and a perspective where we see past the temporary and the transient and our hearts are fixed on eternal realities and heavenly certainties. And the last thing we wanna do is we want to be an encouragement. We want to empower believers to live outside the box, to get out of the comfort zone, and to live a life, a supernatural life, a God-sized life in faith-filled obedience. Because the righteous ones, those that are called of God uh, to live and and co-share in a a lifestyle interacting with the life of Christ, Christ in us. 
God will call us into places and arenas that are too big for us, but we must walk this out, this upward call, we must walk it out in faith, but that leads to a faith that is living and expressed in obedience and in action. And so we don't wanna be lethargic or spiritually lazy, spiritually in hibernation or dormancy. We wanna, we wanna spiritually have a, a passion for Jesus that causes us to follow the Lamb wherever he goes. That's our mission at Summit Life, and I hope that we impart that encouragement uh, and, and we do cause uh, you as a, a believer and as a son and daughter of God just to elevate your vision uh, to see greater things than just uh, the ordinary and the mundane. Well, we have been on a series called uh, The Hearing Heart, and, and our goal in this series has been to, um, you know, ignite a passion within you to hear God's voice, to appreciate God's voice, and to understand that God, as a father, wants to speak to you. And we value the voice of God because it is simply the voice of God, not necessarily because of all of me knowing some something that somebody else may not know, and then I can say, hey, God spoke to me. No, we're maturing past that, uh, you know, to where we're not just wanting to tantalize people with secrets that God has shown uh, to us. No, we are a people that value the voice of God because we, we value our relationship to God. But then we say that that being in intimacy with God and connecting to his heart and his mind for us leads us to be able to be guided and directed and to have wisdom and discipline imparted to us that we become shaped by the voice of God. Uh, the instruction and, and the knowledge that is imparted to us that we are able to know the mind and heart of God which shortens the learning curve uh, and, and spares us from many, many mistakes uh, that we as limited human beings with limited understanding, with limited comprehension and with limited perspective, sometimes we can, we can make bad decisions that are short-sighted and they have a compounding complexity and effect upon our life. And God really wants to to say, I want to spare you from things that could harm you, hurt you, but also delay your maturity because I want you to grow. I want you to become an imitator of me and I want you to grow up into me uh, because my vision for you is that you experience not just freedom or excuse me, forgiveness and freedom, but I want you to experience my fullness he wants to baptize us in the unfathomable depth of his love so that our life becomes totally oriented, rooted, and grounded, growing up into him. Now, we have been on a text, and I've slowly, um, because sometimes I, I, I probably overdo it in trying to establish foundations and context for things, but we've been in a psalm, Psalm 131, and we have talked about a spiritual discipline that I believe is a prerequisite 
for us learning to be prepositioned to hear the voice of God. And that spiritual discipline is learning to quiet our soul. Another phrase that I would would say um, captures the essence of what the what that discipline brings to our life is it brings a contentment, a spiritual contentment to our soul because we have talked about how our soul can be out of control. Just as my carnal flesh can try to to war against my spirit and my appetites and my my carnal instincts can uh, take me in places spiritually that I don't want to want to go because they're susceptible to temptation. Well, an unrenewed mind and a heart that hasn't been transformed, and we talked about our soul realm reflecting our mind, our will, and emotions. Our soul can also resist the leadership and the preeminence of of the lordship of Jesus and that lordship being expressed through our spiritual nature, our spirit. And so I have found that just as I have been working on on bringing my flesh to a a interactive experience to know what it means to be co-crucified with Christ, that I'm, I'm bringing my flesh into submission to the Holy Spirit, and I, 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 am, I am drawing upon the grace and the fruit that the Holy Spirit can bring in my life, and one of those aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, and so I tell my appetites, you're not going to dominate me, I'm not just going to allow my flesh to lead, but I'm going to allow the Spirit to lead under the direction and leadership of the Holy Spirit, well, I find that I need to discipline my mind. I need to have a sound mind. I need to learn to manage my emotions. And, and, and my emotions can, can allow me to reflect an environment, but my emotions never should control me in any moment. And, and so God created us with a full range of emotions. And he wants us to feel and to experience certain things, but never were they to be the governor. Never were they to be the rudder uh, to dictate what I believe and what I think and, and how I should feel. Matter of fact, I should speak to my soul. I should tell my soul, have hope in God. And we're gonna get to that in the passage in just a few moments. I should be able to speak to myself, speak truth and inform my emotions. Otherwise, sometimes my emotions will tell me, uh, and they will tell me and they will determine how high or low I'm going to go. And so what we have wanted to do is we have wanted to say that there is a spiritual discipline that can bring us to a place of what the ancients called the center of quiet, those people that learned to to meditate on God's word and contemplate deeply. They learned to practice the presence of the Lord and they reached uh, the center of quiet where they were aware of the presence of God in any and all circumstances and in any and all trials that they were walking through 
They were aware of how Jesus was fulfilling the promise that he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm with you always. There's never a moment where you're by yourself, orphaned and abandoned by God to face something alone. And, and, and therefore, while Jesus is with us in every moment, walking through valleys, in processes where he's shaping us and molding us, there is this peace that surpasses my understanding, surpasses my ability to comprehend and understand. And, and it allows me not to be fearful or intimidated, but knowing his presence is there, his peace is there, it guards my emotions and, and it protects me from being emotionally traumatized and, and, and uh, mentally fragmented by, by becoming confused. But I have a sound mind, an integrated mind that the peace of God allows me to have that stability, to be able to have sound thinking that is rooted upon the reality of the truth of God. So Psalms 131 serves us, and the author of that Psalm is David, and David serves us, and the last episodes we talked about how David does kind of a show and tell of his heart, a show and tell of his soul. Now I want us to read these three verses again, and we're going to go deeper in the passage today. He said, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. And, and just by way of review, very quickly, what David was saying in that statement was that he had learned to humble himself. But there was an admission that there were moments where he hadn't walked in humility. And we talked about how David had a series of successes that caused him to be elevated uh, at a very young age, and it and I'm sure that, that the, the, the fruit and effect of that early success, notoriety and accolades caused him maybe to think of himself in a way in which God said, don't elevate yourself in your own thoughts. And so David said, I have learned to cause my heart to stay in a safe place. And that is a, that's a safe place where I keep myself humble before God. And he goes, I've taught myself not to lift up my heart to where I elevate it in, in a place where I think that I can help God do his job. You know, I want to say this, humility is not thinking of yourself less than what God defines you as. I always say, Humility is recognizing truth and truth is reality. So there are, there are ditches on both sides of that road. I can think of myself too highly. In other words, I'm not seeing myself the way God sees me. I'm, I'm attributing attributes to myself or, or a role or a level of perspective where I'm elevating myself above the measure of maybe grace or gifting or authority or, or how I compare myself with others. I think of myself better than others. And, and so as I elevate myself above others, I'm getting on a plane where I think that God and I are peers. 
and 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 so God and I think exactly alike, and therefore I can make judgments and assessments about myself and other people because me and God were on the same level. And and pride is a poison; it's a dangerous thing. And so David said, "I've learned to humble myself." where my heart is not lifted up. And, and this is what he said. He said, my eyes are not raised too high. In other words, I'm not seeking places that I think that I deserve, or I'm not saying that, God, I think I need to inform you of what would be the best thing that you should do for me in my life, because I know what's best for me and you're going to help me get where I want to go. And I think sometimes we can do that to God. We can just use him kind of as this uh, giant servant. I call him a celestial genie. That's not an original quote. Somebody else said that, but I love that phrase. And, and we just say, God, you're, you're going to help me get where I want to go. And so we try to manipulate God. We try to use God in a way because we think that we set our eyes on something that may not be God's best for us, but we think it's our best. So David said, I, I've learned to cause my eyes not to be raised too high, and I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. And this, this is the fruit and effect of eyes that are raised too high and a heart that is exalted itself we begin to occupy things and we get into arenas and territories that really only belong to God. And I know when my heart begins to go places it shouldn't go, or my eyes begin to be fixed and focused on things that God says, that shouldn't be where your focus is. I can always tell that I'm, I'm, I'm exalting myself or stepping into arenas of pride and areas of pride. When I, I can tell by the questions in my conversations with God. And two questions that stand out to me as, as sometimes I'm, I'm, you know, trying to understand things and and, and my eyes are, are raised onto arenas and levels that I, I'm, I'm trying to gain understanding on because I think I should be in the know. I think I should know everything that God knows. And I want to know everything that God knows. And, and I'm determined that God tells me everything that he knows so that we can share the same plane uh, of, of existence and reality because I've elevated myself above everybody else. And so I can tell in my conversations two indicators that I'm stepping out of the place that God wants me to remain, the place of humility. And when I begin to ask questions, why God did you allow that to happen? Or why God are you allowing this to happen? Or or how long is this going to go on? So in other words, there are processes of God. And I've said this often to people. We, we are either finishing a trial, ready to go into another one, because God is constantly educating us, constantly fathering us, 
constantly mentoring us, growing us up. So we're either entering into a trial that is developing our faith. Trials are not without purpose and intention. They're there to develop character, they're to develop our faith. God is working his salvation in us and then through us. And we've got to get accustomed that to sonship, those of us that are embracing sonship and embracing daughterhood, we're not saying, give us a comfortable lifestyle. The comforter, the Holy Spirit, is to not give you a comfortable lifestyle. The, the, the word in the Greek, parakletos, means that he's come alongside to help you. To help you what? To help lead you into all truth. And not all truth is comfortable. Not all truth is going to make you feel at ease. Matter of fact, it's going to challenge you. It's going to stretch you. It's going to bring you out of places where you would want to remain. And so we're either entering into a test, enduring a test, coming out of a test, only to be graduated to a new level where God is taking you from faith to faith, grace to grace, strength to strength, so that you can experience glory to glory. That's the intent of God. So I can tell when my heart gets a little arrogant and proud, I want God to tell me why he's doing things the way he's doing them. And I'm saying, why God or how long God? And David had learned to say, you know, there are things that are going to remain in God's heart and he's not going to fully reveal all of his processes to us, all of his, his hidden wisdom is not going to be known to me and kept from everybody else. No, there, he will let us know in part and see in part because he's developing a trusting relationship in love that we understand God's love will never fail us and that he wants us to trust him totally and absolutely. And this is the phrase I want to say, no matter what. No matter what it looks like, no matter circumstantially how it appears, God is working even the worst of situations. He is in the midst of them, working them out for my good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. Now, when I say my good, only God knows what is really good for me. Because there have been some things that I would have chosen and said, that is the best for me. Only to discover when I chose that, it really wasn't God's best. God knows what's best for me, and he knows how to work it out for not, number one, his glory, but also his true good will towards my life. Now, I wanna go on and I wanna read this. So David said, I have learned to calm and quiet my soul. And, and he said that in the process of quieting his soul, he uses the metaphor uh, that it looks like a child that is being weaned from its uh, nursing mother. And I don't know if you've ever uh, observed children when they are fretting and pining. 
I can remember, you know, my children going to processes where as infants and as babies, uh, they had may have been hurt or they have, may have hurt themselves by falling and, and, and just out of the fear of falling, not necessarily the injury that occurred, uh, they would emotionally get themselves worked up and they would start crying and, and they couldn't manage their emotions. And they would just have all this, this emotional uh, uh, labor and, and emoting massive amounts of, you know, like, how could this have happened to me? And this was fearful and traumatic. And I can remember holding my kids when they would go through these emotional meltdowns. And sometimes as they calmed down, there was this, this, this pining that they would occur, this, 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 uh, they would they would have worked themselves up, but they were winding down and they would just, you know, breathe in kind of in a way in which it was kind of like a, a hiccup breathing where, <laughs> you know, that's my best imitation. Well, that's what David said, a, a soul that is learning to quiet itself, what it's like. And so as a, as a father, I would sit there and hold them and I would come to them and say, it's going to be okay. Okay, and then sometimes I would say, that's enough. You know, you didn't, the world did not, you know, turn upside down because you skinned your knee. Uh, it's gonna be okay. You know, the end did not, uh, the world did not end when, when that other little boy took your toy away. And you're, you're all worried about your toy and you've thrown a tantrum because your brother took your toy selfishly. Yes, I understand there's a fence, but you've wound yourself up and you've disquieted yourself and you're all worked up. And God says, I want to take your soul and I want to wean you away from the addictions that the world will wind you up with. And that is things that we want to occupy our heart and mind with, that there are things that belong to God. And I need to say, God, this is too big for me. I want to learn to rest in you. Well, we're going to stop there today, and we will pick up the rest in the next episode. God bless you. We love you guys. Bye-bye. What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.